Coming up, good football team, really good football team. You know, top four, three or four in the nation. Tons of talent across the board. The defensive end, both defensive ends actually, are tremendous players. The linebacker, quarterback's a big, strong kid, runs the ball well. Offensive line is is talented. Skill positions are loaded. Doing a good job running the football. Howard moves into blocking position. Algier, straight ahead, touchdown. He's number one in the country rushing touchdowns. He's got 17 in the first one today. Yeah, we were played a ton of games in a row, so I think it was good to have a week off. I was grateful for it. I think everyone was. Weeks off like this, they help. They help your body recover. Obviously, you go 10 weeks in a row, you're a little bit exhausted, so it's just good to relax and, and get your minds right. And so we had a great week of practice last week, and so I feel confident. It's a quick play. He's looking deep. Looking for Wright. It's up for grabs. Wright comes back and scores. Wright, what an adjustment. Comes back around, gets in front of the defender, reels it in. And, folks, you just got yourself a Utah State touchdown. You can have a good team if they're coach-led. You can have a great team if they're player-led. We're getting player leadership on both sides of the ball. And a lot of that is just bringing that energy to the work ethic and raising it when it's really not there. They did a phenomenal job the other night. Deep three from Rudy is good. Oh my goodness. Rudy Gay's making everybody happy. I'm going to be honest with y'all, this is this is one of the toughest off-seasons and sorry seasons I've ever been a part of. You know, I'm 35 years old, had foot surgery, and basically I teach myself how to walk again, again, after tearing my Achilles before. It's not it's not easy. It's a lot of dedication. And like I said before, you got to be a little crazy. Without injuries to play in a, a league this long and be able to stay here and be able to chase around these 19-year-olds and, you know, be able to play for different coaches, be around different locker rooms. got to be a little different, and um, I'm a little different. Welcome into the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hope you all are doing great out there wherever you might be on this Saturday morning. A little overcast out there, but happy to be on air with you guys. I'm Jay Catch. Uh, Jeff Carroll back in the studio helping us out. Megan, of course, helping us out down here. We're actually at JCW's. We're set up our home away from home, literally, for Megan and I because... We seem to spend most of our Saturdays at this fine establishment doing the Saturday show here. And also we'll have BYU pre and post game coverage anchored from here. They, of course, they are the sponsor of BYU pre and post game coverage here on the zone. So figure we get down here early and we have a bevy of jazz gear. So if you're out and about on this Saturday and in the Provo area, I'd love you guys to stop by and get some gear and, uh, yeah, there's a lot of shirts, get some hats even. And like, we're talking like, okay. And here's the thing about the gear and Megan will laugh at this, but the gear that we get is actually awesome. Like Zephyr hats, like they, it's top shelf stuff. So if you guys want some free jazz gear, you know where to come. JCW's in Provo. They just open their open at 10 a.m. I know that seems early, but they are the best meal around. Love nothing more than for you guys to stop by, say hello, get some food, and hopefully uh, have a good rest of your day, no matter what it might be. It's a busy. Busy day ahead on the Zone Sports Network. We're kind of kicking things off, but obviously the Real Golf Radio guys were on just before us. Uh, but we have uh, BYU pre- and post-game coverage. So BYU pregame starts at 1 o'clock here on the Zone. Then we will have Utah pregame coverage starting at 4.30, getting you ready for the showdown between the Utes and the Ducks. Number 
three versus number 23 up there at Rice Cycle Stadium. In my opinion, the game of the year in the Pac-12. We'll break that down here in a little bit. And also Utah State tonight. Uh, they are also in action. It is senior night up there in Logan at Maverick Stadium. We will have live coverage, full play-by-play coverage here on the Zone Sports Network. I believe it's Jeremiah Jensen filling in on that game for Scott Gerrard, who is in uh, Conway, South Carolina. I've produced two games the last couple of days. I've been playing hoops down there on the campus of Coastal Carolina University. Uh, He will have the final game of that tomorrow here on your radio home for Utah State uh, football and basketball. So busy, busy day ahead, and a big thank you to all of you. Oh, no, by the way. Jeff, of, of course, I, I forgot the one thing that you're going to be working on later, Utah Jazz coverage. Uh, Utah Jazz in action tonight against the Sacramento Kings. Is it an 8 o'clock tip, Jeff? Yes, sir. 8 o'clock tip. All right, so an 8 o'clock tip uh, for the Jazz. That means pregame coverage. The Jazz game night pregame show will come your way at 7 o'clock. And, of course, we are your broadcast home for Utah Jazz coverage. So, yeah, busy, busy Saturday. And let's have some fun ahead on today's show. Jeff, how are you, my friend? I'm doing pretty well. How That's are good. you? Looking forward to looking forward to the grind of the weekend. Hey, I, I'm I'm living the dream, man. I, this is the funny thing about this. People ask me, like, "Why do you do a Saturday show?" I'm like. Because it's fun. Like, that's why I do it. It's just fun to do. It's fun to talk sports. And I spend most of my week, obviously, on the other side of the glass, so to say, is what Jeff is doing, producing. But it's fun to always get on the other side and have my takes spilled out there. But we're going to have a lot of fun ahead on today's show. We'll talk about the jazz. We'll talk about the local college football scene. Probably even delve into a little bit of college basketball. Actually, we are going to delve into some basketball because we're going to be joined by the great Ken Pomeroy. KenPom.com one of the foremost authorities when it comes to advanced analytics on college basketball. He is a Utah resident, and he is going to join us at 1130, talk a little college hoops action. So we have got plenty to get to ahead on today's show. So let's fire it up and get going with our staples and kick off the show with What's the Big Deal? All right, uh, so what's the big deal today? Uh, We're going to start off with the Utah Jazz. Two wins this week, and Jeff, I think you have a little bit of an insight on this. I'm going to bring you in here in just a minute, just ask your, your thoughts on this. But the nice part is with the Utah Jazz, they bounced back this week after two losses uh, earlier that I think a lot of Utah, had a lot of Utah Jazz fans feeling kind of down about this team. They'd lost three of four, was not looking like the Utah Jazz we'd seen early on this season. But the nice part was it seemed like this week they seemed to get right. Uh, and obviously that can be a fleeting thing. It can go up and down very quickly. They're getting ready to take on the Sacramento Kings for just the third time in 16 games. They'll be finishing up their season series seemingly against Sacramento tonight. Uh, almost mere images in terms of schedule of the records for these two teams. The Utah Jazz 10-5 and five on the season, third place in the Western Conference. The Sacramento Kings off to a falter. They've been faltering all season long so far. 6-10. and 10, They're 12th in the Western Conference. There's a ton of heat on uh, Luke Walton out there as the head coach of the Kings, and he's got a lot to answer for. He may pay with pay for it with his job at some point this season if they don't get it turned around quickly. Uh, funny thing about this is, is they had it seemed like they were going, they went on a four game road trip against teams that were below 500, and you thought, okay, the Kings, this is where they get right. What do they do? They stumble to I believe it was a one and three record. It might have been zero and four even, and it just was not uh, a good road trip for them. Well, they welcome in the Utah Jazz, and they have given the Jazz plenty of fits so far this season through the two games that they have played, but the Jazz seem to have figured things out. They absolutely crushed a shorthanded Philadelphia 76ers team, 120-85 to on Tuesday night. Of course, no Joel Embiid, no Ben Simmons. 
uh, and Philadelphia, they hung tough for a little bit, but then the Utah Jazz just made a run there in the second and third quarters and put that game to bed. It was over. It was what you wanted to see from a team like the Jazz, who was pretty much a full strength going up against a team in Philadelphia who very much is not a full strength. But then the more impressive win, I thought, and this also was a team that was a little bit shorthanded, was the Raptors on Thursday. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. led Toronto with 31 points in that game. Of course, OG Anunobi was unavailable for that. But the Jazz really just looked stellar in this game. I thought none more so than Rudy Gay. 20 points in his season debut for the Utah Jazz. You actually heard that clip coming in to the show today, him talking about the fact that he had to essentially teach himself to relearn how to walk after having that off-season heel surgery. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, and Jeff, you might be able to correct me on this, he essentially said he had spent like six months uh, recovering from that surgery. Is that, is that kind of the all told what we, what we were hearing about six months total? Yeah, I think that's I think that's around an uh, accurate timing. Yeah, so but for him to come out and just absolutely stellar, seven of eight shooting from the field, five of six from beyond the arc, hit some really deep threes. Rudy Gay looked really, really good in his Jazz debut, and I think uh, showed exactly what a 16-year veteran who is coming into Utah is capable of doing. The interesting part about this now is with Rudy Gay re-entering the, re-entering the lineup. How many minutes does he take away from Eric Pascal, who's actually had very good moments early this season, kind of filling in that role that Rudy Gay was figuring to settle into? Does he take some minutes away from guys like Joe Ingles? Does he take some away from Royce O'Neal? I think he will. He's a guy who's capable of playing the small ball four and five. He played that uh, center spot for San Antonio as their small ball five for large stretches of last season. So he is not adverse to playing in that type of a lineup. And I think it gives the versatility that the Utah Jazz kind of craved putting together on their roster during this offseason. Well, with this debut, the nice part is he's shooting at a high clip at least through one game, and that means that he is going to add something offensively here. What I love about Rudy Gay is he is a well put together human being. Six foot nine, two hundred and fifty pounds, and he is not going to be a guy you're going to bully. He is going to be an absolute load for opposing teams to contend with. Opposing big men aren't going to be able to push him around. He, like I said, he's just he's well put together. He's strong. He's played sixteen years in the NBA. This is a very very savvy pickup for the Utah Jazz. And if the early returns, obviously just one game, hold true, there's no reason to think that he cannot be the guy that the Utah Jazz rely on as yet another veteran presence off that bench. I look at the Jazz and how their lineup is constructed right now is, yes, you have a you have a very strong starting five. It's very, very clear for the Utah Jazz that their starting five are going to be Guys like Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, they are your guys when you start games. The more important thing in my mind is how good is this depth going to be off the bench. I have Boyan Bogdanovich in the starting lineup, but coming off the bench, Jordan Clarkson. You're going to have Joe Ingles. Now Rudy Gay comes off the bench. Hassan Whiteside has had his moments early on this year. Eric Pascal, I think, is still going to be a part of this uh, this bench unit. The nice part is, you have plenty of guys now on this bench who are capable of filling in in spot start duty, just coming off the bench and adding offense. There should not be much fall off, if any, in my mind, when it comes to the Utah Jazz. If Rudy Gay, like I said, through one game, shows exactly what he can do. They list him at 6'8", 250 pounds. It's good size. Trent Forrest, very good uh, guard off the bench, 6'4", 210 pounds. His offense may be lacking a little bit, but defensively, Trent Forrest is going to make sure that the Jazz don't give up much give up much on the guard line defensively. 
I'm really liking so far what the Utah Jazz have shown with their lineups. Will they have some struggles at some point this season? Yeah, that's how every team seems to go, up and down. We saw that just recently with the Jazz dropping three of their four games. But the nice part is right now is the Utah Jazz, as constructed, seem to have found the pieces that were lacking with previous iterations of this team. Think back to the second round loss last year. They, they seemingly in the, the moniker that Rudy Gobert got played off the court or should have been off the court defensively. I don't necessarily agree with that because he has shown this year the ability to guard guys on the perimeter has been yet again, I think, still the greatest defensive player in the in the world. But the nice part is when he goes to the bench, that's when teams seem to think, okay, green light, attack the basket. Well, what does that mean for guys like Hassan Whiteside? Well, it's your time to step up. And Hassan Whiteside, I think he's done a marvelous job filling in. Hassan's never going to be the same level as Rudy Gobert, but he is more than capable. He is a true seven-footer out there who can backbone the defensive efforts from the second team for the Utah Jazz. And I just, I really, really like how this lineup is constructed. Now, as I said about tonight's game, the Warriors, they have battled the Utah Jazz tough, and they have given them uh, two very good games this season. My question for the Warriors is, is how long before, oh, not the Warriors, the Kings, thank you, Jeff, for correcting me on that. I, I got the Warriors on my brain. Apparently, Steph Curry has, has infected my brain. But the Kings tonight have given the Jazz fits through the two games they have played this year. Uh, the current matchup predictor on ESPN.com has the Jazz as winning this game 70% of the time. So, seven out of 10 times they played this game in the power index the jazz win it but i think that sacramento they have for whatever reason gotten up when they have played the utah jazz uh they're four and eight versus conference opponents speaking of sacramento uh they're third in the conference with 48.6 per games in the 48.6 points per game in the paint uh led by rashawn holmes who averages 10.9 in the paint but the Jazz currently are 5-0 and versus Western Conference opponents. Two of those wins coming against Sacramento. I think the Jazz are going to be more than capable of winning this game. But Sacramento, they're going to be at some point a desperation mode, it feels like, for this team. Whether it's uh, Luke Walton coaching for his job or these players feeling the pressure and realizing, hey, we got to get things going. At some point, there's going to come, a, a, I guess you can call it a breaking point for these teams, and they're going to have to get things rolling. Now, let's transition a little bit. We'll talk a little more about the Jazz here in a moment. Oh, actually, one other note on that is injury-wise, the nice part is the Jazz seem to have kind of navigated the early part of their injury struggles, and that's actually a very, very good sign for Utah is they are going to have, I think, a tougher stretch of games upcoming. But the good news is with Rudy Gay reentering the lineup, the Jazz truly now have their full complement of depth, and that is something that I'm excited to see how it holds up. Does that mean that the Jazz will be able to start resting guys, maybe do some maintenance days? I don't know that for certain, but I think with the upcoming stretch, you, you're home against Memphis on Wednesday. You go to Oklahoma City, you're going to win that game. you got back-to-back set against New Orleans in Salt Lake City next Friday and Saturday, but then after that, it's Portland and Boston. There are some tests upcoming for this Jazz team, and that depth, I think, is finally going to start to really, I think, come to bear and show exactly what it's capable of doing. I don't mind if the Jazz feel like Rudy Gobert, okay, you take a night off here. Mike Conley, you take a night off there. I think the depth is such for this Utah team that they are capable of absorbing some of those maintenance days, rest days, uh, load management days. I know it's a popular term they used with Joel Embiid back in the day with the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't mind that. If the Jazz 
are able to use those and still continue to win games, great. Because the ultimate goal here for this team is they need to prove what they can do in the postseason. It's been some bitter disappointments in recent seasons for the Jazz going out early. They'd love nothing more, I feel like, than to make a run to the finals, similar to what the uh, Phoenix Suns did last year. And by the way, Phoenix, if you haven't been paying attention, I believe is it 11 or 12 games in a row that they have won. They're off to a flying start after a little bit of a bump uh, to start their season. But they're playing really, really well right now. And obviously the Golden State Warriors sitting atop the Western Conference. Steph Curry, if he's not the MVP favorite right now, I don't know who is. So some really, really interesting things to look at for the Jazz. Now let's flip over and talk a little bit about what's going on in the college football season scene today. Uh, we're going to obviously have, as I mentioned, BYU coverage upcoming. Uh, they'll be taking on Georgia Southern, the 14th-ranked Cougars, taking on the Eagles, who are 3-7 and seven, down there in Statesboro, Georgia. I'm expecting BYU to roll in this one. Last I saw, the Cougars were a 20.5-point favorite, but it's been sitting around 20 points all week long, so three touchdown favorites. It shouldn't be much of a game. So I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about BYU other than they cannot afford to go to a place like Georgia Southern and drop a game like that. You want to lose all of the goodwill you built up as a BYU football program over the past season or so and lose your lofty ranking that you've achieved so far this season, go and lose to a team like Georgia Southern. That would go right out the window real quick. So take care of the ball. Uh, Obviously, make sure you avoid the turnover bug that plagued you against Boise State. And then fly home, get ready for a Thanksgiving uh, weekend showdown in Los Angeles against USC. Uh, we'll have that for you guys next week as well. But the more important game and the biggest game in state and obviously the biggest game, I think, of the season for the Pac-12 is taking place in Salt Lake City tonight. The third-ranked Oregon Ducks, currently slated to play in the college football playoff, they will be taking on the 23rd-ranked University of Utah and the Utes have a big opportunity here to strike a claim that they are the best and the hottest team in the Pac-12 right now. Will they be able to prove that tonight? And should they prove that tonight? It's been a debate all week long here on The Zone and other outlets. Is Obviously, it looks like both of these teams are on track to have a rematch three weeks from now uh, as they will face off in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium for the Pac-12 title game. I've heard all the debates about, well, Utah, if they really are smart, they should uh, they should lose this game, get Oregon into the Pac-12 title, uh, not the Pac-12 title game, get Oregon into the college football playoff, and then go to the Rose Bowl. Okay, I don't think Utah has any aspirations of backdooring their way into a Rose Bowl. They would love to go to Pasadena, there's no question about that, but I think they are under no illusions that they are going to just backdoor their way in. Uh, There are other people who are saying that the Jazz should go out and, uh, not the Jazz, the Utes should go out and lose both of these games, ensuring thereby that Oregon does make the playoff and the Utes at 8-5 and still go to the the Rose Bowl. That's actually not a for sure thing either. If the Utes lose both of those games, there is a pathway for a team like UCLA to win out and they would go to the Rose Bowl. And that would be a bitter disappointment for Ute fans. I can tell you this much, knowing what I know of Kyle Whittingham, he is not planning on pulling any punches. He is not planning on, I guess, giving Oregon the game and saying, yeah, you guys 
go to the playoffs, and that, that way we can go to the Rose Bowl. No, he has his guys. They're going to go out there with every intention of ruining Oregon's season. And if it throws the Pac-12 out of the playoff for yet, yet another year, don't do not think for a second that Kyle Whittingham and his staff and the administrators up there at the University of Utah are going to be feeling bad at all. They are in the business of winning football games. You, you don't go out there thinking, okay, let's backdoor our way in. That's not how you operate in this sport. This is a sport where if you take plays off, you get hurt, you get stung, you get beat up. And that's just not Kyle Whittingham's it, – it's not in his, I guess, ethos uh, to uh, kind of do that thing. And I, I, I'm very much uh, looking forward to seeing how the Utes do tonight. This has been a red-hot offense. The offensive line turnaround has been absolutely incredible. It's really keyed what they've been able to do offensively. It has allowed guys like Cameron Rising. And by the way, Cam Rising, if you guys did not see the commercial last night, Jeff, did you see this last night, the, the, I guess the game day preview that Utah put out with Cam Rising? I did not. Okay, well, I'm going to encourage you. I, I retweeted it. I, I, you should check it out. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal piece, uh, getting Ute fans ready for this game, which, by the way, they're going to be wearing special uniforms, the USS Salt Lake City, uh, these g- battleship gray, or I guess what do you call them, navy gray uniforms, uh, commemorating one of the more legendary ships in naval warfare history, the USS Salt Lake City. It's been a three years in the process, uh, endeavor to get these uniforms on the field i think they look absolutely phenomenal and i i and i i wish that there was more gear available from this but it sounds like uh just due to how the department of defense kind of handles things like this the university of utah is essentially it's been as i said three years in the making to get these uniforms done get them on the field and I think it's going to be a pretty special night. Uh, Utah obviously will be looking a little different, not wearing red, not wearing black, but they'll be wearing that gray. I think it's going to be a very, very fun game tonight. A key for Utah in this game is going to be slowing down Oregon's rushing attack. I I think Oregon probably looks at the Oregon State film against Utah, where Oregon State just ran the ball at will. Uh, Utah had no answer for that. And if the University of Utah proves to be unable to slow down Oregon's rushing attack. It's going to be a very, very long night for the Utes. This is a team that when they are able to stop the run, they've been very, very good. I think the Utah offense, they're more than capable of hanging with Oregon, but if Oregon's able to control the line of scrimmage, control the time of possession, just control the overall tempo of this game, I don't have a a good feeling for Utah. Let's just put it that way. I I don't think things are going to work out the way that they hope they will. But the good news is Utah is favored by most of the odds makers out there. Last I saw, it was three or three and a half points, depending on which sports book you're looking at. Uh, By and large, when it comes to sports book sports books and uh, odds makers is they will give the home team automatically three points. So it's kind of where it sits. It's essentially a pick They're just favoring Utah by the field goal there that you usually get standard when it comes to being the home team. But uh, I just look at this game and it truly is the biggest game in the Pac-12. I will say this also. I think that Utah might be the only uh, program there in the Pac-12 where they don't necessarily uh, – feel bad about beating Oregon because I, I think the rest of the Pac-12 has got to be sitting there thinking, well, there's a financial incentive here, Utah. Like, we, we want Oregon in the in the, in the conference, uh, not the college, the college football playoff. We want them playing for it all. We want that extra cash influx. We want all, great. Don't think that Utah thinks for a second about that. They they want to win games. That, that's, 
at the end of the day, as a sports fan, I'm I, I very I'm very fond of saying this. At the end of the day, as a sports fan, all you want really is to see your team having more points than the other team at the end of the game. It's what it really boils down to. You want your teams to win. And Kyle Whittingham, he's one of the most competitive human beings that I know, and I wholeheartedly believe that he will entertain the notion of letting Oregon win this game for exactly zero seconds, or he has given it zero seconds. That's not how this man operates. That's not how the University of Utah operates, and I'm looking forward to this game. I do think Utah's offense is capable of helping them stay in this game, even if Oregon does have some success on offense. I am hopeful that Utah's defense can get after Anthony Brown, the Oregon's Oregon Ducks quarterback. He is not a great quarterback, I don't think. He's an okay player, very much more adept running the ball than it seems like he is passing it. If you're Utah, you need to force him to beat you with his arm. But the, it's easier said than done because multiple other teams have tried that. Oregon's got their big win uh, this season, obviously, over Ohio State. Utah has to be intent on slowing down the Oregon run game and forcing that game to be on the arm of the Oregon passing game. And who knows? Big one nonetheless. 5.30 ABC. I actually said this last week in the uh, postgame show that I was hosting. This game deserved to be in prime time on the East Coast. I'm thankful that the uh, – TV schedulers out there at ESPN and ABC realize that, and this game will be shown far and wide on ABC this evening. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we'll continue on with the Saturday show. More on college football, more on the Utah Jazz. We've got technical fouls upcoming at the end of the hour, rewarding the people who have been dumb in sports all week long. And obviously, as I mentioned, at 11.30, Ken Pomeroy from KenPom.com talking some college shoots. So plenty more to get to. Also, we've got five minutes of as well that we'll get to as well. That's all coming up right here on the Zone Sports Network. It's the weekend! It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show. Can't wait, can't, can't, can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. We are brought to you by our title sponsor. That would be our friends at Mountainland Supply. Absolutely love Mountainland. They are the best of the best when it comes to anything you guys need for your home. Uh, essentially, let's put it this way. It's where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping irrigation, agriculture irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. You can find a location near you at mountainland.com. Appreciate them being the title sponsor here of the Saturday show. And Jeff, you should let that breathe a little bit more. I was enjoying the Blink-182. It was a good choice on your end. Oh, believe me. If 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 you give me an inch on listening to Blink-182, then I will take the mile. Well, you they are my I, I gave band. you an inch. You should have kept playing it. Like, I'm just saying. I can turn so. it back on if you want. <laughs> right. There's a whole catalog of Blink songs <laughs> I, in, our, I'm, I'm, uh, in our itinerary. I, I'm fully aware. But we are live today at JCW's in Provo. Uh, we are doing the Saturday show live from here. We'll obviously have BYU pre- and post-game post coverage upcoming here on the Zone Sports Network beginning at 1 p.m. Getting ready for that 2 o'clock 
o'clock kickoff between the Cougars and the Georgia Southern Eagles. Uh, Megan's done a great job getting plenty of jazz gear down here. So if you guys want a delicious burger, some wings, fries, whatever it might be, stop by, get some food, and also pick up some jazz swag while you're here. We'd love nothing more than to reward our listeners. Love seeing you guys out and about when we're out and about as well. So, uh, Obviously, we're going to have Ken Pomeroy coming up at 1130. It's normally when we do one of our staples here on the show, five minutes of. So instead, we're going to do five minutes of here. And let's fire it up, Jeff, and start off with our old staple in this segment, Saki. Look at them all queuing up in the middle for Serbia. Mitrovic! In the last minute of the 90. Serbia look to have snatched the place at the World Cup from under the noses of Portugal in their own backyard. Across the line, Barco, hands one off to Duclair, out in front, shot, score! acceleration into the box it's where and it's a goal for the united states it's stardust football from timothy where to open the account put together there a lot of stuff going on in both the soccer and hockey worlds out there and uh let's start off with soccer here for a moment is the the soccer side of things obviously a lot of leagues uh took the last i guess 10 or so days off for international duty and jeff i know you are a big soccer aficionado like myself uh let's start off with the u.s men's national team getting a huge win dosa cero over mexico uh there's some hex it seems like over mexico when they go to ohio to play the u.s men's national team and u.s wins that one but then they go to jamaica and tie 1-1. What is your takeaway from this latest round of CONCACAF World Cup qualifying, Jeff? So I actually, shockingly enough, predicted a win over Mexico and a tie against Jamaica. Oh, really? I talked okay. with some of my friends uh, ahead of time. Um, I think Mexico, while still a very good team, is not as good as they have been. You know, they did lose to us and then to to Canada uh, in this, this window. Um Playing in Canada, though, as you heard the highlight from the Canada-Mexico game, yeah. it was blistering cold, snow everywhere, um, so tough conditions. Well, anyway. It was, it was, by the way, it was genius of Canada. We're going to Edmonton. We're going to go play <laughs> like the coldest part of that we can play in. You're coming up here in Mexico. Let's go. That was actually genius on their part. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tough to play in. It's definitely, definitely tough to play in. Um, obviously... The U.S. having wins against Mexico in the Nations League final and Gold Cup final. Uh, the U.S. kind of seems to have Mexico's number right now. And yeah. so I thought that we would be able to 
get that result. Um, it was still a very tough matchup, and Mexico definitely had a lot of good chances. Um, but obviously, the U.S. came out with the win. Um, and ultimately, again, however the U.S. played, however Mexico played, we beat them. We got three points. That is ultimately what matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a point against Jamaica, it's frustrating, but I'm probably a very unpopular opinion here. I'm actually okay with it because we gave so much to get the win at Mexico that being a bit worn out and getting a point on the road at Jamaica um, I don't think is a, a horrible result. There's some people that believe that you win at home, you tie in the road, you get to the World Cup, and I don't fully agree with that sentiment. But in this particular window, I think four points is a pretty good result. Not to mention that Jamaica's goal was a I was absolute <laughs> banger from Miguel Antonio, who's been playing out of his mind this year for and last year for West Ham. Um, uh-huh. But so honestly, four points, I'll I'll actually take it. Um, I know the U.S. has been up and down, goods and bad so far, but ultimately they are in second place in the standings. Uh-huh. And I think if they keep at the current level and everybody else keeps at their current level, then I think that they should be fine. Um, but you never know what happens. I think they do need to continue to work on improving, uh, especially defensively um i think they need to work on their defense that's probably the biggest thing um i also have some thoughts about personnel choices and player sure. selection but i'm not going to go into that well so okay and see that's the funny thing about this is so in the, in Concacaf qualifying now they call it the it used to be the hexagonal it used to be six teams that would uh, play round robin uh for the chance to qualify for the world cup it's now called the octagonal i know that doesn't necessarily flow as easily but there are eight teams in it uh, many people might be stunned to hear this, and Jeff, I don't think you're stunned to hear it. Canada, of all countries right now, as they uh, have wrapped up this uh, round of qualifying, currently sits on top with 16 points, and they will they will be that way until qualifying resumes early next year. Uh, is that surprising to you at all that the Canadians, four wins, four draws through eight matches played so far? I think Canada's actually a lot better than people give them credit for again you know they're not a they're not a world powerhouse but i think they're a lot better than people give them credit for um they have big name players like alfonso davies kyle laren uh tejan buchanan um big mls player who's who's made it big this year um so i think that canada deserve their place on the top you know we tied one one against them uh earlier in the qualifying and i think we got lucky in that result actually i think they played a really good game and very easily we could have lost at home to them so i it's it's surprising from the outside looking in but if you actually delve in deeply i think canada's better than they're given credit for and i think they deserve to be at the top right now i don't know if they'll stay there we'll see if the u.s is able to come out on in the first position or mexico somehow someone else but i really do think it's u.s mexico canada is is pretty much the the top three vying for that spot. Well, um, yeah, it goes one, two, three. Canada first place sitting on 16 points. USA in second place on 15 points. The U.S. men's national team, four wins, three draws, one loss. Mexico, four wins, two draws, two losses. They're tied with Panama uh, with 14 points. Are they tied with Panama? Wow. Uh, Panama has 14 points. They've been a little bit of a stunner there. Uh, Costa Rica at fifth. Jamaica sixth. El Salvador and Honduras bringing up the rear. Uh, but the, the interesting part is it seems to be four teams for three spots here. And, 
it's going to be an interesting one because they're all separated by a grand total of two points. So a win and a loss when it comes to this qualifying can make uh, for a very interesting uh, final stretch run as they get ready for the World Cup. Uh, the next round of qualifying will come up uh, late January. Uh, the U.S. will face El Salvador. You would think that's a win. Uh, Jamaica faces Mexico, Panama has Costa Rica, and Canada takes on the, takes on Honduras to follow that up with uh, other matches. And I, I just look at this, and this could be a very interesting run up to the World Cup. And I'm liking where the U.S. is at right now, but obviously there's still some uh, nervy moments to come, it feels like. Also on the other uh, side of things is that the MLS Cup playoffs begin this weekend. Real Salt Lake making it into the field in dramatic fashion. Uh, what the a miracle. Uh, oh Jeff, obviously. I guess you were, were you, you were, let's see. You were watching that one live. I was thing. working the Jazz oh, game, you were so I was not okay. watching it live, and I was doing my job but sure. occasionally checking my phone and had to control myself when uh, when the result the came up because yeah. you know I'm at work and got to be professional but sure, I was but I was ecstatic I I made a lengthy post about this I think the day after but uh-huh. with everything Real Salt Lake has been through no owner the coach leaving for a rival western conference team um who you face this who you yeah who you face on Tuesday um like Real Salt Lake has been through so much that even if they get absolutely pummeled by Seattle which they could or they could pull a playoffs from two years ago I think where they won at LAFC and everybody was like what in the world just happened yeah you never know it's playoffs you never know what can happen um but I think that no matter what this season should be considered a success just for getting in the playoffs after everything this team, this organization, these players have been through. Well, they came essentially 20 seconds away from their season being over. And Demir Krylock, as he does in big moments, came up with an absolutely gargantuan goal. And as Jeff mentioned, they will take on the Seattle Sounders. That'll be next Tuesday in the first round of the MLS uh, Cup playoffs. Uh, as I mentioned, the playoffs do get going this weekend. They're going to stratify throughout the week. And it's now uh, how the playoffs are set up in Major League Soccer. There's no home and home anymore. These are just these are one-offs. You, you play one match, you win, you move on. It, it's, it's survive in advance. And should be a big opportunity. But I'm with you, Jeff. I think that there is some good news if you're an RSL fan. Just the fact that they made it uh, to the playoffs is something to celebrate. A couple of notes on hockey. Uh, it is not my forte, but I've been obviously watching a lot more now that the Seattle Kraken, the the club that I have adopted as my new favorite club, have been playing. Uh, the sad part is the Seattle Kraken are at the bottom of the standings. They sit with four wins, 12 losses, and they're at the bottom of the Pacific Division. And it's not been a good run for Seattle. They've looked very much like an expansion club. They are minus 19 in the differential. Uh, it's just not been good. The teams that are playing well right now in the hockey uh, world, the Toronto Maple Leafs have been absolutely red hot over their past 10 uh, uh, games. They are 9-1. and one. The Tampa Bay Lightning, the two-time defending champions, uh, they are really, really good right now, 7-1-2. and two. Uh, That Eastern Conference in the NHL, it is – Pretty impressive what they've put together. The three teams at the top, the Florida Panthers sit atop the division currently, uh, just, I think, separated by uh, two points from the Toronto Maple Leafs and Tampa Bay coming up with 21 points. They are very, very good. The Carolina Hurricanes leading the Metropolitan Division. The Central Division belongs to the Minnesota Wild. And then our dear friend, Lundy, 
has got to be loving life. And Jeff, I don't know how much you pay attention to, to hockey, but if you have not watched the Edmonton Oilers play and watched Connor McDavid in particular do what he does, wow, is he impressive. The Edmonton Oilers on top of the Pacific Division with 12 wins and just four losses. They are off to an absolutely incredible start. And Connor McDavid looks every bit the part. Do you have a hockey team, Jeff? I don't know if I've ever asked you this. So I'm not I'm not big into hockey, but okay. um, as as per all my, my other teams, um, my New England loyalty will always be there for my whole life um, okay. with being from there. So Canadian, Bruins, Bruins. I, am a, I am a Bruins fan. Okay. Um, it's it's ironic that I've 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 been to a hockey game. Uh, I saw them in Dallas. I saw them beat the Stars in Dallas. It's funny that I have seen pretty much all of my New England teams away from home because okay. before I moved out of there, you know, a lot of those venues are super expensive. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was young and didn't have the money to pay for tickets myself. But I but I am a Bruins fan. I I don't follow hockey super closely, but I do uh, I do hope the best for my team uh big fan of uh david posternock for the bruins uh, he's uh, i think he's a really good player the bruins currently in the middle of that eastern conference uh they have 16 points on the season they're eight and five just to give you an up- update on that jeff so uh boston's one of those proud fr- they're one of the original six if i'm mistaken one of the original six nhl franchises that founded the league way back when so all right, so there you go. Five minutes of uh, – I meant to hit on some baseball stuff. Just wanted to say congratulations to both Bryce Harper and Shohei Otani, uh, both of them winning the MVP awards. Uh, I, I heard somebody mention this, and I, I, I forgot to go do the research on this. And, Jeff, I don't know how much of a baseball savant you are. Uh, it's got to have been a while since we had both MVPs come from clubs that did not make the MLB postseason. I, I don't think that I can recall that happening in recent memory. Can you? Not that I can remember. It's – I mean, that's that's crazy in my mind. Yeah, so Shohei Otani, obviously, just a standout on both the mound and just hitting bomb after bomb uh, for the Los Angeles Angels. I think he was a no-doubter. Obviously, he was a unanimous selection as the AL MVP. Bryce Harper, a little bit of a surprise, I think, for some folks. I think a lot of people thought that guy, like, uh, uh, who, who the other finalist uh, was um, from the Padres, and, and now his name is eluding me. Um, ah, Francisco, oh, man. I'm struggling today with that name on San Diego. But Bryce Harper, a little bit of a surprise, I thought. He kept Philadelphia, the Phillies, in the playoff hunt. They ultimately did not make the field. But congrats to Bryce Harper, his second NL MVP award. So congratulations to him. All right, uh, coming up here in just a moment, uh, we will get to our staple here on the show of technical fouls, rewarding the people in sports and just other people who have just been dumb this week. We'll get to that. Coming up at 11.30, we'll get to our conversation with Ken Pomeroy. So a whole lot more to get to right here on the Saturday Show, presented proudly by Mountainland Supply. If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Because that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal file, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hope you all are doing great on this Saturday. We are live today from JCW's in Provo. And, of course, the Saturday show brought to you every week by our friends over at Mountainland Supply. Check out and find the nearest location to you at mountainland.com. 
Uh, this is the segment where we talk about people who have done stupid things, and I don't think there's anything, uh, I guess stupid is the wrong term here, the more abhorrent than what former NFL running back Zach Stacy did this week, uh, caught on video assaulting, I believe it was his wife, in front of their five-month-old child. He's since been arrested, uh, had $10,000 bond placed on him. Just a disgusting disgusting scene in the video that I saw and I'm actually frankly disgusted I saw it but it's got no place in our society for stuff like that and I've got little to no patience for it so an absolute and technical foul doesn't even necessarily fit it it's just this dude needs to be locked up and if everything is proven to be true he needs to go away for a while and I'm, I'm sincerely hoping he can figure out whatever is going on with him because that was just an abhorrent, abhorrent thing to see. And just, ugh, yeah, it uh, made me just my skin crawl when I saw that video. It's just yet another athlete behaving badly and just something that's, yeah, I, I don't know what else I can really say about it. I don't, and I, I just hope, like I said, that he can figure out whatever is going on with him, but he's going to need, I think, uh, some possible jail time, hopefully, to help re- get things figured out on his end. Uh, another technical foul, uh, by the way, and this is also in the sports world, on the, I guess, Chinese government? Uh, Jeff, you can probably help me find out where the technical foul lies here, but uh, Peng Shuai, she is a former uh, Wimbledon and, I believe, French Open doubles champion, uh, was amongst the best doubles players in the world. Uh, she had spoken out against the former vice premier of the Chinese Communist Party, alleging um, him to have had some improprieties, some sexual assault allegations. Uh, some of the biggest uh, uh, things ever uh, spoken out against the leading, the, the, I guess the leaders of China, I guess he was the vice premier, essentially I think was the vice president of how things are structured there in the People's Republic of China. Uh, she spoke out on social media and has not been seen since. A very uh, weird situation. According to Chinese state media, she has been staying in her home, quote, freely and will make a public appearance soon. Uh, But the problem is they they also uh, put out what they called uh, a statement from her. And uh, Jeff, do you know anything about this? Uh, You're going to I think you'll laugh at this next part. Have you read anything on this at all? No, I haven't. Okay, so uh, they put out a statement purportedly uh, from Pong, and she, in the statement, allegedly said, I've been spending time in my house, blah, 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 blah. Well, the problem is, if you look at the statement, like you look at the video of the statement and when it flashes up, there is an active cursor. Like, it's blinking as if it had just literally been maybe written moments before or might have been in active editing mode, which is very strange uh, for a quote-unquote statement coming from an uh, an athlete like Pong, but uh, Weibo, which is essentially the Chinese equivalent of uh, Twitter slash Facebook, it's their social media platform, all of her references to the allegations she made have been scrubbed from her social media accounts, and like I said, she's not been seen four weeks, uh, November 2nd is when she put out that social media post, of course, uh, accusing a former top of government official of those sexual assault allegations. So uh, I guess, Jeff, as our, our technical foul goes against the Chinese government, right? Is that who we're going to be dinging here? I guess so. Yeah, it's just that you can't do this. Like, just stop it. And I, I funny enough, uh, I've actually got to give props to a guy like uh, Ennis Cantor. He's actually been very vocal about speaking out against China recently and doing it uh, – 
in light of some other things that have been happening with the NBA. So credit to Ennis Cantor on speaking out on this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't surprise me if he, this is one of the next causes he picks up with regard to the Chinese state government. So there you go. That is technical fouls uh, coming up in a moment. Oh, actually, I wanted to get to one thing, and I kind of the, on the counterpoint of this. I do want to give a shout-out uh, to the, let's see, it's the California School for the Deaf in Riverside, California. Uh, they obviously uh, use silent accounts uh, and whatnot because most of them are hard of hearing or are completely deaf, but they are have won 11 straight wins. So this is kind of the counterpoint to technical fouls. Uh, this team, so they communicate with American Sign Language, and their coach says, I honestly think the deaf players see that as an advantage that we have. We are using our eyes 100% of the time that we're more alert, especially on the field. They have won 11 straight games this year, putting the division championship within reach for the first time in the school's 68-year history. So congratulations to the California School for the Deaf in Riverside, California. Kind of the counterpoint, some of the other bad news out there in the sports world. All right, more in a moment. You're going to hear from Antoine Staley from the Eugene Register Guard uh, previewing the game between the Oregon Ducks and the University of Utah this afternoon and then coming up at 11.30 we'll be joined by Ken Pomeroy talking some college hoops. That's all ahead in hour two of the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network.